your samples tomorrow. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. I will say my games, my game script prediction on uh, Ohio State Penn State was almost perfect. Um, it was Ohio State will be up a touchdown all game and put another one on to make it about a two score game when it's all said and done. Pretty comfortable for most of it. Uh, Penn State ended up getting the garbage time touchdown, but Drew Aller, I don't know, man. Dude. James Franklin loves turtling in big moments. They didn't – there's um, stats out there, and if you watch, like, Penn State, you, you'll pick up on it. And if you watch this game, you'll understand. It's – they're the one of the least explosive teams in in the whole sport. And you got every – second and eight or second and short, you got – like, they're, they're just taking, like, a five-yard in for, like, a first down. Like, you know what it's I mean? It's like a Nagy zero, Yeah, zero shots. You got – Anytime they do throw it, Aller overthrows him or underthrow. It's, but they don't. They, I don't know if they don't trust him. I don't know if it's that this guy, whoever their OC's offensive scheme is, but it's pretty strange because if you want to beat these teams that are, and Ohio State wasn't even explosive either. They, they didn't even play that well. They were fine. But like, if you think of years past in college football teams that win, you got like the fields, everybody always sees the fields to Olave touchdown, like those type of plays. And that's and then you got some fucking slow ass offense like that's not going to get it done. I wonder what it is with Aller because they have the talent there on offense. I mean, their running back duo is, I, I mean, I hate that you really can't even call them like best in the conference because I would say Michigan's are better, but like they're top five duo in in the country, honestly. And I don't know if this is more of a salute to the defense that was being played, because you, you saw in the lead up, it was like, wow, both these teams have top five defenses up until this point. So it's like, will Penn state falter and Ohio state does what they normally do and kind of beat the brakes off a team. Or is it just going to be kind of more of a slugfest? And that's honestly what you saw there. So, but we haven't seen it from Penn state all season. Um, you know, it's not like, I think outside of that first game when they scored like 60 points, and everyone was like, Oh, this drew Aller guy, like maybe Penn state's legit this year, kind of just slowing down. And I mean, that's not a team to be able to slow down against. Um, if you were to take a Penn state team of maybe the last two years, I think they might beat that Ohio state team. I think one that's maybe got a Jahan Dotson, that's got a KJ Hamler, uh, one of those people, because you, they have made these explosive plays in, in the past. I don't know really like what it was. It was just more of an old-fashioned Big Ten slugfest between, you know, two top ten teams. And I, I don't really know what to say about Penn State at this point. I don't know what to say about James Franklin at this point. Um, I was talking to some buddies about this. Like, do you just – if you're Penn State and you're, you're the you're the um, AD, are, are you just content with these 10-2 and two seasons and then maybe picking up an 11th win in a New Year's Six Bowl? Because, like – that can't be it for a storied program, right? And I know the playoffs are expanding into 12. Maybe he'll get a little more leeway. But with that team making the playoff, like next year in the 12-team format, are we still excited, like thinking that they can shake it up a little bit? I I think it's – so, again, Beach, and you brought it – or we, we talked about it the other day, just more of our content being just used uh, around Twitter. But – it was it was insane how many Brian Kelly comps I was seeing James Franklin get after that game. Something we talked about last Tuesday on this episode on uh, on this show. But 
I think a lot of it and my my point to the Brian Kelly James Franklin was kind of from a betting mindset, right? So so many people were just all over Penn State and and there was this this hope that they actually were better than Ohio State this year. What we do know is they're not because everything everyone that was saying we haven't seen it yet was right and we were wrong to assume that it was different from years past so um i i think a lot and my my point was well if you if you think james franklin is is kelly-esque right then he's gonna lose this game right that's why you make the comparison because kelly one is a favorite all of the time Rarely lost games, especially the second half of his career at Notre Dame, as a favorite. But he didn't win games as a dog. James Franklin doesn't really win many games as a dog either. That's where these things come into play. So I was on Ohio State. To answer your question, though, I think a lot of it comes of just, you know, fear of the unknown. Like, Kelly and Franklin, respectively, and obviously Franklin's still there, but Kelly put in like a 12-year shift with the Irish. Franklin coming on about the same. It's I think it's scary for a program that's supposed to compete for a national championship every year, but that is not the best team on paper every year, to get rid of a guy that you know you have a high ceiling with in, in the fear that you're going to regress for a few years with anyone that you're changing to. Right. So I think that's why Kelly stayed for so long. It's like he, every, every Notre Dame fan knows it so well, like you're getting the shit for not winning the big games, not being an actual competitor for the national championship. But it's like, well, if we move on from Kelly and get someone else that isn't Saban or Dabo or, you know, whoever, what, what if it's seven and five or eight and four? Like I, I think I'd rather have I, that for three years with knowing, wow, because that like pop, this has made me seem like power to Notre Dame now. I mean, you guys are two fans, like you got to be seeing like right now, like you got to feel better than in the past, right? Like you now feel like, hey, we can compete maybe in the future, maybe not right now, but I mean, you have seen it. That Ohio State game is very close. That's a good, that's a team that, that that's the model of the team you're looking to beat. So sure. probably Notre Dame ripping off the band aid. And I mean, you guys are fans. So, wouldn't you rather have last year's ND season and this year's and maybe a bad season next year if it means we're going to feel more confident being in the playoff? And let's say it's still a four-team playoff. Like, no, I definitely do. More confident. Yeah. And knowing, wow, Brian Kelly isn't coaching. We now – I don't feel like we're going to – you talked about that betting mind. I now don't feel like Clemson's going to beat the brakes off us. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I was thinking about it when you were talking about uh, Penn State being a uh, – like a historic program and dude, they've never, and now, and that was a good point that you made too. It's going to 12, going to get more leeway. The whole era, the history of the era of the 14 playoff will go down in history, obviously with everything that's happened over the last whatever decade, Penn state never made it once. You see all these other teams that at least the, the Oklahoma's, the Notre Dame's, the Michigan's that didn't win a game. At least they've shown that they can get over that. The Penn State can't even get to that threshold. They can't get there. They haven't gotten there once. And because one the, those you were saying the the ten team you win your bowl type of teams. Those are the teams that like the like Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, like the Oregon's of years past. It's like that's kind of been the ceiling. 
But all four of those teams I just mentioned have also gotten to the threshold to be able to compete at least at that next level. And Penn State is not there. And they, they've had a long era under Franklin now. And that's a good point. It's you just expect to lose then if you can't you can't even you can't beat any of those teams. This is almost going perfect for him because next year he touts out the same team, loses to Michigan and Ohio State again. Wow, good resume. They didn't really beat anyone great, but they lost to two good people. Let's rank them eight. Maybe they win that game, and it's like, oh, now he's won a bowl game. But it's like you now you just went from the 12 down to like the eight. So it's like you're, you're still not really even in that threshold of years past that a team that would have competed with it. So I just think he's almost bought himself more time by doing nothing, just an just an enhanced playoff. And like, I mean, you guys, like, I, I hit on this. You guys are Notre Dame fans. I mean, if, if you were a Penn State fan, like, seeing how the future looks for Notre Dame and what the past was, and just feeling better as a fan, as a university, as a football program. If you were Penn State fans, I mean, would you want that, or are we confident that Franklin maybe one year can beat? beat one of them at least and maybe make that jump into being like a top eight, top 14. Well, Beach, I want to go back to the, I think it might've been more of a rhetorical question, but you know, are you, are you happy with where Notre Dame is looking after ripping the bandaid off and that Ohio state game in particular? I am because Ohio state is the top of the pops. They're the team that was always, we got shit on for never being as good as right. We, uh, we were the better team, I think, in that game for most of it. And which makes this even crazier is it was the coaching that lost us that game. So if we're talking about making a, a coaching switch, but still liking where we're at, like that's the perfect example because he got out coached at the end of that game. But it's not about that one game at this point. You can't you can't be so short sighted in your in your program. And I think I think it almost works in in almost a, a reversal in in short-sightedness right because you're you're thinking big picture right like we i don't want us to drop from winning nine ten games to seven eight nine games but at the same time you need to take a you need to take a little step back to be able to win that 11th game that 10th game or that 10th that 11th and then that 12th or that 13th so i i think notre dame will and was closer this year in that Ohio State game in particular, a team that just beat this Penn State team. Although the coaching was an issue in that game, and everyone's aware of it, that we have not seen a Notre Dame team compete that closely or even outplay a team with those caliber athletes, all those five stars, you know, the most four and five stars on a roster. So, yeah, I, I think ripping the Band-Aid off, you know, I, you have to you you really have to start thinking, you know, he's just another Brian Kelly. Let's see what worked with the Brian Kelly situation in South Bend, because James Franklin is almost a mirror image at this point, And it keeps being retold. Get him out, get in some new blood, some new blood that fits what you're trying to do, fits with your program. Take a step back and then take take three steps forward. Yeah, I also think there might be like this when you deal with and I'm trying to think of another coach who has who has maybe been because I feel like we keep beating this Brian Kelly thing. in, And, you know, the more we talk about, it, honestly, the more similarities we begin to see. But those are really the only two I can think about 
I feel like there's almost like some like negative connotation associated with like, uh, with like, especially with like recruiting wise too. Like Notre Dame was always in a tough position under Brian Kelly. It's awesome to play for Notre Dame. They, they are, a, you know, a, a national powerhouse or a national brand. You know, it means something to put on that golden dome. So that's how you can get players there. But as far as making the playoff goes, kind of hard to do at Notre Dame, honestly. In this four team where you have a power five conferences, you have conference championships, and they're not a part of that. It's almost like, you know, most teams that's lose two, you're eliminated. For Notre Dame, it's almost like lose one, and you kind of are. Now, to relate this back to Penn State, with, with how the Big Ten divisions are set up, like, are, are you seeing this out of, out of James Franklin? And you're like, I want to go play for the team that's won the bronze medal in the Big Ten East for the last decade. Or are you like, maybe I'll check out another conference if I can't get that Ohio State or Michigan offer. And, and you know, even State's been a part of that. They, they were huge in the, big, in the early 2010s of being, you know, not only a, a powerhouse in the Big Ten, but with respect to them, a powerhouse really in the country with a couple of good seasons. So, they're a, they're they're probably a hiring of a head coach away from being right up in there again, and they could even lose that bronze medal position. And pass but, up, yeah, pass up Penn State. <laughs> so then with Brian Kelly, it's okay. I'm going to make a move to the SEC. What they're in the SEC West. Obviously, Saban has run that you know for years and years and years. The guy is a little bit older though. When, when you sign a coach like Brian Kelly to that, you're definitely thinking we Notre Dame got a good decade out of him. If we can get that same kind of decade and that longevity out of him at LSU. He could be the guy in in the SEC West where it's like him and then Kirby Smart. They're going 11 and 1, 12 and 0 every year and that's a step up for Brian Kelly as far as an organization standpoint because he's not on thin ice. And that's where I feel like this is with like James Franklin as far as it goes with recruiting. I know they've had good classes in the past but there's just all that negative connotation around to it where I I just I don't know if you're like man like we're going to go win the Big 10 by going to Penn State. I, I don't know. I don't really think it is a thought. I mean, if you're Penn State, you, and we talked about this last year, in terms of where you're at regionally in recruiting, like I, the biggest surprise to me is how good Auburn, how great, how some of the Auburn teams have been able to compete and win national championships when they have to recruit regionally against Alabama, Georgia. Florida, right? All those kids are around there. And you have to compete in-state against Alabama. If you're Penn State, you get Pennsylvania, you get Delaware, you get that whole region, New Jersey. Like, you're the closest power to a huge, huge region of talent, right? Because the farther north, the farther north and the farther east you get, the less power you have in football. Like, it's just the way it is. There's there's nothing north of really Penn State that's getting up into the northeast that has any any competitiveness in Division One football. So you're in a good place regionally to recruit. But if you're not getting results in where you're playing, you know, the, that's great if Penn State can beat Michigan and Ohio State. Then those kids are like, Oh, let's go to Penn State. But then you start thinking when they get, you know, beaten by them. Oh, you know, Columbus isn't too far away either. 
Yeah. Ann Arbor is just, you know, a skip, hop, and a jump a little farther, pack pack a few more bags for the road trip. So there there's a there's a level that needs to be set for them because Notre Dame's a little different. Notre Dame plays a coast to coast schedule. That's part of the reason they play the games they do. So they go out to their trip to California. They recruit those kids. They go, you know, they they play games all across the country. So they they're bring their boys broadcasting deal. And, and so that's the only way that they're able to get four and five stars as a team that's located in the armpit of Indiana, you know, like there, there's nothing pretty about South Bend outside of the history of Notre Dame. You know, the campus is beautiful, whatever, but there's a lot of things that you need to take into consideration at when you're putting together a recruiting class, if you're not Alabama or you're not Georgia and it, I don't know something needs to break for them to start capitalizing on those players <laughs> that are still going to Ohio state and still going to Michigan Perfect and still going to Notre Dame. What would go a long way with that? Maybe schedule the game against Michigan, the two-time Big Ten champ, at night for your famous whiteout. Invite all those recruits we just talked about in the Northeast to be able to watch you play Michigan. If you win that game, that's a huge statement. You have four and five stars there looking at it. You hit on this earlier with the Northeast. I remember Michigan went and played Rutgers, and that was a year they were recruiting very, very heavily out of New Jersey. They had Jabril, who was on the team. New Jersey guy, and they walked in there and they invited all their recruits to come to Rutgers and they beat them 73 to zero just to show, hey, I know you're from out east here. This is what you're dealing with if you want to play power five ball out here. That's and I know that's obviously Rutgers back then. But how if you're Penn State, are you not doing your famous whiteout game against the top four team in the country? Um, obviously every year you're going to have Michigan or Ohio state at home. That's just how their schedule tends to work. That every year should be their whiteout game to allow for that statement. Plus like you see like how those atmospheres can affect games. There's something about like a night game, you know, it's primetime television. Like there's more eyes on you. And I don't know, I can't sit here. None of us can and say that's going to affect the outcome of the game, but just to at least get a little more excitement in the air, not only for the fans, but for the area, for the alumni, for the recruits, for the coaching staff. Like, that does play a factor in that. And I just can't believe they didn't do that. They had Minnesota this year for their whiteout game. <laughs> Big Ten West opponent. Not even on your side. Not even on, like, a, a year where Michigan State is, you know, not. I mean, how even play State. Someone that's a national brand that has had success in the Big Ten to actually prove a point against instead of have, touting Minnesota in there. Yeah, and – you guys have brought up good points about recruiting and everything. Franklin has showed that he can recruit year in and year out, no matter how they do. It seems like they still have a top, whatever, 10 class, top five class every other year, every year. So they're getting talent. And at a certain point, it all just comes back to coaching. You know what I, They're losing games to teams with equivalent talent level every single year, every single, they're, He's one in eleven or whatever against the top ten. It's that's coaching. If you have talent, there's going to be certain games where some guy's going to be better than the guy on the other team who's a similar level. Whatever they all measure this. This shit's all measured. So, and like eventually things are going to break your way. And if they keep not, then there's something wrong. Like there's there's one inherent issue that's there every year for the last ten years, and it's not the same players because they go in and out. 
it's the coaches, you know, and he's shown that you can't bring in like whoever their offensive coordinator guy. We talked about how stagnant the offense is, how slow and everything. That guy obviously wasn't a good hire, you know, so it's he's bringing in the wrong guys and they're they continue to lose these games. Yeah, is James on the play caller, is it, or is it that guy? I, I was going to nah, I whoever his name is is that guy. I don't know. I don't I, know. He, I don't think he calls the offense, but but like even if how can James Franklin not get like he is a solid coach? How can you not get a, a, an offensive mind to come in to help you take that leap? Like, there's no way he's like being like selfish with it. I mean, like. Harbaugh was doing that up until like year four. And then he was like, holy shit, I, this isn't working. Like I don't have the Niners offense to do what he did in San Francisco. Like he didn't have Andrew Luck, like he ran with in Stanford. So he brought in Gaddis from Alabama and it did shake things up. And granted they weren't as good as we wanted them to be that year, but it set the tone with Harbaugh saying, I need to bring in a guy. I'm great at being the head coach. But, you know, that doesn't mean you need to do everything on your own. And I can't speak to this. I don't know if Franklin calls the plays. I don't know anything about that. But I just think that for years we've seen Penn State have talent across the board, especially on the offensive end, at the skill positions, the key ones, being receiver and running back, with also having a solid quarterback, an experienced quarterback, who should be able to be a game manager, play the game, should be built, so to say, for these big games. And I I don't know what we're seeing in uh in college or in Penn State right now. So I I saw someone make a really good point on Twitter and I you kind of have to dig into it, but this it was a LSU fan taking a shot at Brian Kelly um on a post about Marcus Freeman and his tenacity on the recruiting trail because it, it is a trip. Like if you're if you're the lead recruiter, right, you're the head coach, like every single guy you're going to see that's a four-star, you're going head-to-head against Saban, against Riley, against Dabo. You know, like, it's it's just, it's, you know, king of the hill. Like, you're fighting tooth and nail against guys that have maybe more wins, more championships, more guys get drafted, more All-Americans, like all these things. So it's it's a complete grind. And they made the point that Freeman was at a high school game and people were frying Kelly for seemingly not recruiting as hard as he should be. And what this guy said was, you know, he said he left Notre Dame because it would be easier to recruit at LSU. He's like, what I, what I think he means by that easier to recruit means you just have to do less recruiting because he's doing less recruiting because guys will just go to LSU, you know, and so he's like, yeah, it is easier to recruit if you're at LSU because you just feel like you don't have to do it. You know, he's not going making those visits to those four stars or or those three stars that are having a really good senior season up in their ranking, like making some national headlines. And, you know, who whoever puts in the most time and effort recruiting, you're going to you're going to pull some of those guys. You bring those you like every single kid that was getting looked at by Notre Dame. Sideline pass for Ohio State. We got green, everyone's got green lights on. We're playing levels, turning the lights out, you know, all this shit. And you get a sideline pass, like, see what we're about it in South Bend. Like, those are the things you need to do. Then you take them into the locker room, slap the sign, all, you know, all these little, these little points to it. And yeah. it, you can't just, it, it's not just one visit and you're like, hey, um, 
if you want to play football at LSU next year, we got a scholarship for you. No, no, you have to be going to their games. You have to be following up with their family. You have to be, you know, buying them a cheeseburger. Never mind. Maybe don't do that. But um, yeah. uh, you know, it's I, I can't speak to Franklin as a recruiter. Penn State often has very good classes, but I I don't know exactly what it's gonna have to what it's gonna have to be. Whether that's getting a new guy in, getting some fresh you know, fresh meat up there. But, like, I think getting a young, hungry guy into South Bend it was a great thing for us. Like, you get a guy that's more genuine, that actually, you know, lives and breathes the values that kind of seem like they were being lost under Kelly. Like, he didn't seem like a great guy or a religious guy or these things you just kind of want to see. Like, if you're going to hold yourself to the Notre Dame standard – Freeman is that guy. Our boy Gabe Davies saying he sees him and his eight kids at church on Sunday. Like that, that's what you want from the, you know, from the head coach. But yeah, I think something's got I think something's gonna have to give because like Marty, like you said, they didn't even sniff the 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 playoff. And our next year, if they get in as the eleven or the twelve, you know, does it mean the same thing that oh Penn State finally made the playoff? It doesn't. It doesn't. And what I saw in that home game against Ohio State, there is nothing that leads me to believe that the outcome of the game against Michigan at the same time, just at home, will be any different. There, there is not, there is nothing different really about the game other than being home. I, I don't know if that propels them to a win over a very similar team. Ohio State's more physical this year. They can run the ball. They play good up front. And that's exactly what you're going to get out of Michigan. And there's nothing that I'm seeing that they're going to be able to do. It's it's still an 11 o'clock game in Happy Valley. I mean, there's going to be 20 football games on during that. Obviously, that'll be the one, you know, a lot of people will tune into. With all due respect, it is still a top 10 matchup. I I don't know. I mean, and you talked about the culture shift that you we are seeing this year with, with Notre Dame. It's, it's all those things you mentioned, the green lights. I mean – those people are coming in. It's wow. Maybe I was wrong about South Bend. They're not just all praying all the time and doing this. Obviously, that's a part of it. But like, it's like wow. These guys are cool. There's a lot more swag in the area. And like to have something like the whiteout in a night game with an unbelievable fan base in a hundred nine thousand stadium. I don't know how you're not doing that for one of your two biggest opponents. Where Notre Dame has said, all right, we're going to get rid of this. You know what we're comparing Kelly to. We're, we're getting rid of him. We're bringing in someone new. We had some growing pains last season. We're still absolutely having him this season, but you see the culture change. And um, I, I don't think there's any reason why Penn, Penn State is not at that team where you can make excuses for not really being able to do that. You have the schedule every year to to have those type of games. Uh, I mean, they can schedule like, a, like an out-of-conference opponent to make things interesting. I mean, hell, even them playing Pitt, I mean, Pitt's not a great team this year, but those those schools don't really like each other. I mean, that that's still something fun to keep it interested and like keep the fans into it. I don't understand. Like, maybe they'll follow Notre Dame's recipe here. You know, I could see this happening. Like, if they have the same season next year, and he does, even if he like wins that that round of twelve playoff thing, and it's still a loss to Michigan and Ohio State, like. 
you got to say, all right, let's let's take some six and six season. Let's let's take a let's take an eight and four season here to at least see some growth and maybe change something up there in Pennsylvania because it's not working right now. And I think you can honestly say from a college football perspective that Notre Dame's got something cooking up and it's the ceiling is much higher than what you saw with Brian Kelly. um, Just to kind of reiterate some of the points that we were made as far as cultures go, I did want to touch on uh, the Florida state Duke game. I mean, Florida state's just kind of gone a little under the radar. They, I mean, I know Leonard got hurt in the game, so Duke was winning actually at halftime, but Florida State pulled away, ended up winning by 18. But Florida State was a program. So now they're 7-0. I just took a peek at the rest of their schedule. Their hardest game is, I guess, Miami. But, I mean, what's this Miami team now? Not not a lot. And then a Florida rivalry game, who's not great either. So they'll probably finish 12-0 the season. So this, is, this Florida State team is a couple years off of – what Jimbo Fisher leaves to go to uh, Texas A&M. And I know it's a different than the Brian Kelly situation or whatever, because Jimbo actually won a natty, but the, he leaves them kind of like Kelly leaves Notre Dame, just high and dry. And they did fuck up their coaching hire with Taggart, which I'm hoping Freeman isn't the same, but now they, they found the guy in Norvell who clearly has shown that he can get to that high ceiling. If you finish the team, 12 and 0 probably going to make the playoff this year. I think Florida State's probably going to make the playoff. At this rate, they're playing well, kind of going under the radar and beat winning games. And that could be the thing that you were talking about with Penn State where it just needs the new guy. The thing that we were talking about with Freeman where Norvell has come into uh Florida State and got them right back to where they were, you know, or bu- above where they were even for the last because I even think Oregon falls in that conversation I mean they had Chip Cowley they were riding highs and then all of a sudden he leaves for the NFL job in the Philadelphia Eagles and you see okay Oregon's no longer this powerhouse they're no longer the face of the Pac-12 past two years we've seen a little bit more of a resurgence from them Um, I like uh, Dan Lanning their coach he does a great job like I think that's just another example of you plug in the right person and I think we're seeing it a lot now with these young personalities, you know, they relate to players a little bit more, especially with NIL, especially with the transfer portal. You're not necessarily confined to that normal, oh, it's going to take me three years because my first class isn't going to be great. My second class is going to be a little better. And then finally, like that class that was a little better, those guys would be sophomores, my good classes. You don't see it till four or five years down the road. NIL and transfer portal is speeding that up. So I think if you get the personality in, I mean, you guys are Notre Dame fans. Your top complaint pretty much since Brady Quinn has been no quarterback. You had, you guys didn't have anyone to throw the ball last year. And you had a great run game and a great offensive line. All of a sudden, this guy comes in and you have one of the top quarterbacks in the country to have the ability to switch over and transcend Notre Dame. For the next two years. You don't think a guy like, and 25. Here's an interesting guy I got to throw out, Cam Rising. He's going to be doing another year next year. Does he stay at Utah or does he entertain a, a move like that? It could be very similar where this is now what Notre Dame does. We don't we we recruit these guys, maybe we can take a chance on, but let's bring them in. Let's I mean, um Oregon did it with Bo Nix. So I yep. think you see it with these younger coaches maybe like, all right, I don't necessarily have two hands on the wheel at this point 
if I bring this quarterback in who's experienced, who's played five years under center, four or five years under center, he's going to help you keep the wheel a little straight. And I just think that is where a, where a Penn State could be missing out, so to say. And this could also be like something where Franklin gets let go and gets like another great job and he could be better off because he's not staring down the gauntlet of, oh, my God, I'm, I'm getting recruited around and, 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 you know, beat down in circles by Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh. And I mean, whoever state hires, I mean, state's always been a solid football program. They're going to get someone in there. They have all the money in the world. So do you let state make that move before you do? I don't know. It's an interesting point with Cam Rising because I I was seriously wondering who was going to become available because CJ Carr, the you know, all American quarterback, is going to be a true freshman. And I don't know if you want to feed him to the sharks right away. But, you know, as far <laughs> I, I would hope Sam Hartman is not back um for his sake for an eighth year. But it's like they did it a little bit with Jack Cohen to start. They brought in Jack Cohen. Then they bring in Hartman. And next year you have the opportunity to get your wonder boy, you know, Jimmy Clausen type recruit. But do you want to, do you want to just throw him out there right away? You probably don't. You probably want him to develop under someone that's played a ton of college football. So my thoughts were that, I think they'll go in a similar direction, you know, by, you know, by March, there'll be a lot of talent in the portal. And I, I tend to think that that's the route they will go get in the guy that'll start right away. And that will mentor CJ Carr, um, and kind of these rentals, so to speak with, yeah. with the way the portal's going. So like, like you mentioned though, the whole was, the quarterback recruiting in South Bend. What does Marcus Freeman do? He goes out and gets two five-star high four to five-star recruits for the next two classes in the quarterback position. Like that is going and filling a hole that you had right away. And Kelly never did it. I mean, Ian book, very, very solid college quarterback. And we had four years of him. Is there like, were we fine with just hoping that he keeps staying around and keeps producing and not thinking, Hey, you know, one of these days, Ian book isn't going to be a college quarterback anymore. Let's go out and find some kid that can come in and take the reins. We didn't do that. We had drew pine like, and, and Tyler Buckner, two guys that are not going to be game changing talents. So you go out, we like the team. Let's bring in a guy. Sam Hartman falls in our lap. Let's go compete because we can compete with Sam Hartman. That you throw out an interesting name in Rising. There will be a couple other guys. You can make a very similar move like that. Um, just yeah. kind of seeing where Utah's at. Um, I'm struggling to think of their coach's name, but he's obviously done a tremendous Whittingham. Job. Whittingham. Thank you. He's done a tremendous job, but you almost see it in like moving from those good coaches. Like it's not like Oh, it's not the old transfer where like this didn't work out. I'm going to go somewhere else that will give me a shot. It's this did work out. I grew for three years under a great coach, but now I want more. And it's that ability to go get more. Like if Bo Nix is still at Auburn, I don't know if he's having a, the similar year 
he's been having. I don't really know if he's if he's up there necessarily like competing with with Bama this year or like even LSU I think would be a better team. So that to him is an opportunity to go play for a great coach and honestly for him I think he kind of thought it'd be a little bit easier. Um, but, you know, he did kind of get followed. You know, Caleb Williams shows up there. Obviously, uh, Winningham did a great job with Utah. You saw Phoenix with the move. Uh, even, I don't even know, Ugale, Ugale, I call him Ugalele, but he is, uh, he's now at Oregon State. So you've kind of seen the, the Pac-12 now become that landing spot for those teams. And Notre Dame is always going to be in the picture for that. And just kind of to wrap this all up in a bow, why can't Penn State be that either? Like a, like a, like them bringing in an experienced quarterback who's going to maybe take more chances and push the ball downfield. Like I, I when they kick that field goal, I'm like, well, this is you're not going to beat this team with field goals. And obviously, sometimes you got to do it, and sometimes you got to pump. But it's it's more so having that re- that recognition going into the game. Like we are going to go. We're going to make this a 10 round fight and we're going to be winning through six rounds. So we set the tone coming out of half like they need to catch us now because that team is not set up to catch you from behind. I don't think Aller had a completion pushing the ball 20 plus yards downfield. I they mean, were 0 for 15 on third down. Yeah. <laughs> going into the last football. drive. I yeah. mean, you've got to be able to throw. I mean, even like I, I throw out these names, but they've had a receiver like. Hamler, you got to be able to have a guy like that to hit on a bubble screen at least take 20 yards or a slant to maybe beat that first guy, clear the linebacker. Or like, I I know, like, I'm not trying to say like, let's turn into the Bama of old with Jamison Williams and just yuck it downfield for 60 yards. And he's going to outrun everyone. I know that's a special talent, but like not being able to push the ball 20 yards downfield against a great defense that's that's good up front and built to kind of stop the run this year, I'd say that out of Ohio State. That's where Penn State's strength was supposedly on offense, and they couldn't even get a run going for that much. So, you know, they could use that. I, I don't understand why a team like Penn State wouldn't be able to do that. Um, I think it might be just more like, you know, coming around to it. Uh, like, like a guy where I mentioned, you know, only having kind of one hand on the steering wheel. Like Freeman's going to grow so much as a coach and like, you know, he knows he can't do it all himself. So he's building a great staff around him. He's bringing in an experienced player that the game is a little bit slower for him because he's been doing it for so long. Um, Obviously you can still go out and get your five star while you're doing that, but you don't think that's going to set up your guy to be that much better after learning under that, after seeing that field general mentality. Exactly. That is, I think, where it's at. And, like, Penn State's a national program. They should be able to do this. So I don't understand where the drop-off is. I guess they're just content with these 10-2, and 11-2 and two seasons. Um, I think they won. They, they they beat Ohio State that one year and then lost, I think, to Wisconsin, I want to say, in the Big Ten Championship. I want to say. I don't Maybe they even won. I don't know. But they got jumped by Ohio State, and Ohio State made the playoffs. So – where this committee is able to look at it and still say that a Penn State team that beat Ohio State isn't better than them to get in. I mean, you can look at that as a committee flaw. I mean, we ought, this podcast obviously has our problems with the four team. But even if, even if you're in that eight and there's eight teams or there's 12 teams like it's going to be next year, you can't be feeling good about the consistent 10-2 and two 
and then playing maybe that team and getting that win in that round of 12 in the initial you know round of the playoff next year. Like I just don't know how much that's going to go over well for the boosters. Maybe they're happy with this, but I, I can't imagine they are the continued uh, just not, I mean, not getting demolished because they're still there, but like, it's just not prevalent and they're not in the big 10 East. I think the boosters are happy because Franklin's running fake knees to cover spreads. He's more worried about, uh, cause I think Penn state had covered their last like eight games, but he knew, he knew he had to get his covers in before, the Ohio State game that they were always going to lose. That's what he's concerned about instead of actually dialing up a good offense. <laughs> but Dude, uh, wow, yeah, I did not see the direction of this going and just a Penn State deep dive. But um, I did want to change gears a little. The biggest story in college football right now, uh, don't, want, don't want Beach thinking he was getting off scot-free here, but unfortunately you have to answer as the representative of Wolverine football on this show. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw any accusations out. I'm just gonna lay it up to you. All of everything that's going and circulating throughout the news at the moment. How do you how do you feel about it? What what do you think what's gonna what do you think happened or just yeah, just let it go. I mean, one, not good. Um, I, I think you, you're going to look at that. You're going to look at that headline and obviously not feel great about that. Um, I will say in this day and age, I, it is very weird because the average college football fan is on Twitter and is on college football Twitter. And kind of the, the you know, the angles it looks like stuff is coming from, at least, you know, on my feed. And again, this isn't all of it. It's coming from like, oh, so that's why, you know, they're now beating Ohio State or like funny how they haven't had great recruiting classes. And now all of a sudden they're doing this like I'd be I'd want you to look at recruiting since like 2020. Michigan has sent one of the Michigan's probably a top five school in sending people to the NFL draft. That that's a no do to to stealing signs or having a game plan there. That's just players developing really well under Harbaugh's watch. So I think that is one, like, like a key to that. Two, I, I don't really know the facts here. Um, I, I feel like everything is a little bit different here. I see some things where it's like, you know, almost trying to like, like a Michigan fan being like, oh, yeah, like I, I'm acknowledging this happened, but it's like not illegal in the way they were doing it. I also see this guy is like, you know, like buying tickets and like Venmoing people. I'm like, okay, it's not a crime if he buys tickets and then like gives them to people. Like, like that's how the game time app works. Like, <laughs> like if I bought tickets for the three of us, you two would send me a Venmo, right? Like that's how this yeah. works. So like pulling up the Venmo receipts isn't so to say, I want some cold, hard facts. And now I did see something that said that the tape, that there was going to be tape sent over from in-stadium surveillance. And now it's going to look really bad if a 55000 annually salary employee of the University of Michigan football team is seen going from one sideline to the other (laughs) with the video camera. I don't know any lawyer in America who's kind of getting you out of that one. That looks a little hairy there. 
I want to know how far this thing went up. Is this a guy who grew up a Michigan fan and he's trying to climb the ladder <laughs> and is more so like, <laughs> I think they're going to do this or like, I'm a Marine. So I pick up on this. And when they do this, this 70% of the time, it looks like they're running a sweep to the right. <laughs> I want to know if it's that. And then you see the laminated play sheet. I saw someone took a deep dive into some still shots from the Michigan Ohio state game and from last year. And it shows him standing next to Harbaugh when they're on offense and next yeah. to Jeff Lemire, the defensive coordinator on defense. Again, I don't think that necessarily incriminates you if it is what, like I said, and it's kind of like I'm using military tactics or whatever that is to come up with something rather than like, I saw him do one, two, three. This is zone sweep, right? It's coming right at number 76. Tell him to move off the gap and come here and send that linebacker to come through that gap and we're going to blow it up. I think that's a little bit different. I also see, I kind of want to end on this. If you see any real football personality, anyone who has either played the game at the collegiate level, played the played at the professional level, who is known as like a football guy, not Sam from Twitter or Jeff from Twitter, who just their job is to hopefully blow up on Twitter with some breaking story. Matt Rule is one of them. Deion Sanders is another one of them. They have no problem with this. And Matt Rule was like, I'm not going to necessarily get into it because I haven't been approached by Nebraska. I haven't been approached by the NCA or the Big Ten. So he was like, I, he's like, I am in no position to say anything or get – he's like, I don't want to say anything bad about Jim Harbaugh or like or University of Michigan because we don't know the facts. That being said, him kind of toe dancing around this little PR statement – how if you're an in conference, you know, you know, in conference like that, you should kind of more so have a problem with with something like that. He's coached at the NFL level. He's coached now back in college. Dion has played professionally. Dion today was saying, you still got to have the dudes to be able to go up against it. He's like, I mean, that's like, do you think you need to steal the sign for when Philly's going to run the brotherly shove? They're still doing it. It's coming down your throat. You think he was saying Emmett Smith is going to run the ball on third and one, probably going to go between the tackles. You know that's coming. He's the best running back probably ever. You need more than a scheme to be able to stop him. You need someone to show up and blow that up. Matt Rule kind of toe danced around it, as I mentioned, saying, like, it just happens. He's like, the reason it happens is because high school football at a high level there's technology all over the sideline yeah. NFLs have this the the uh speakers and you know the microphone the helmet to be able to do that but at college you're holding up memes and smiley faces and peace signs so there obviously is a part of this where it's I think there's a couple layers to kind of end here one this is a something that's very prevalent if it's continuously third and short and they're holding up this sign and they're running it down your throat, let's key in on this run play. If we're going to see them hold that up, you know, secondly, where things get a little hairier, if it's more of the systematic looking at who the play caller is on the other side and knowing with 99.9% certainty of what the play call is, that I think is a little bit more of a problem. Rather, a scheme versus an actual play call. It's like screen watching when you're playing NCAA football 14. You got the three plays up, and it's like, 
well, I'm trying to dial something up for, for fourth and eight here. I don't want you knowing I'm trying to yeah, hit it's this. It's a screen. This, yeah. It's a screen look. That being said, if it's first and 10 and I'm running it and I have my three plays up, I don't really care because is it going to be sweet left? Is it going to be a halfback dive? Is it going to be a power right? You don't necessarily know. If you can have it figured out, I think that is a little bit more of a problem, and I do think there will be repercussions. Uh, I think we need to get more of the facts. I think we need to know who knows, and I think we need to know what actually happened here. I'm hoping these tapes will clear it up because if he's literally taping or has people taping and he has a standing meeting with Harbaugh on Mondays to go or and then again on Thursdays to go over scheme, I think it's looking black and white and like this is – not necessarily just what to look for. This is what is going to happen when they do that. Yeah, I could see some subpoenas happening if this tape doesn't look great, like grabbing this kid's fucking Michigan laptop and shit and looking through it, um, those kind of things. But it, my my whole thing is is kind of this, like if someone if one team's doing it, there's a lot of teams doing it. Like I, people forget Notre Dame got their national championship season those wins were vacated like people forget that that happened we had two years of wins vacated and i'm a like if we won that national championship and then they vacated those wins for academic misconduct do you really fucking think that i give a shit no we won the national championship and i think it, it, it is a little different because the academic stuff is academic so like it's different than if the kids were taking steroids, right? Then, then it then it lessens it. But it's kind of the whole thing with like the Reggie Bush Heisman. It's like, oh, because he had a because he got a Mercedes, he wasn't the best player in the country. Now, like you know, like shut it. But like Notre Dame having academic, you know, um, misconduct. It's like okay, yeah. Let it's only because they they wanted to, you know, kind of take them off their high horse as the, the elite academic institution that holds their players to a higher standard. Like every single team is having academic misconduct. If Notre Dame is whatever, but that's what I tend to think about Michigan. And I'm like the same things that they're looking at and putting these video, the Venmo's um, tickets, ticket purchases, like the, it, it's a freaking witch hunt on Twitter right now. And it's actually hilarious. And I'm getting a kick out of it. But like there's going to be a ton of teams getting, you know, getting thrown into the fire here with little shit like Auburn fans are going to be finding Alabama shit. Uh, you know, Florida State fans are going to be finding Florida State shit like everyone's just going to go after their rivals just deep into the archives of shit that might be misconduct at this point. It's, it's pretty fun. I mentioned with like the personalities you're seeing, like obviously a Michigan State beat writer personality is going to have a huge problem with this. I don't have a problem with that. I would I would expect the same thing. I expect we should get Joey time. Joey back on to talk about it. Honestly, he might be a great guy to kind of dive in. Maybe he can break uh, break some news for us on air. We could actually have some breaking some breaking news. I don't really understand the situation fully. I don't think anyone does, and I think witch hunt is a great example or a great word to throw around here only due into fact that Harbaugh served a three-game suspension at the beginning of the season. It was self-imposed due to a cheeseburger incident. Um, you can cut to like minute two of this podcast to see a reference there. Um, but that I feel like is is almost getting on the edge of like, do they want this guy 
gone? Like what? Like this seems like something that would be like, okay, this is lining up. Michigan's the best team in the country. So we've seen they're going to win the national title. And then because of this stuff, it's going to be like, we're pretty much going to force him to the NFL and take the bears job. That is what this looks like a lot to me. I also think it kind of stems from Honestly, if I'm Ryan Day in Ohio State, I am probably curious on what switched the last two years. I don't think Ryan Day has looked in the mirror and noticed he was the thing that has changed personally, and that might give Michigan a leg up, so to say. I think Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Ryan Day. But these personalities and beat writers for rival Big Ten teams, for teams involved in the national college football scene, I think have blown this up to such a proportion. And and I do think when you, especially given that the Astros thing was labeled the exact same verbiage, what was a huge thing, people call them the asterisks, you know, everyone boos, everyone was happy they lost last night. I think that is such a grab and just to allow the, the college football personalities to, to be fueled by this and just almost let things get away a little bit. Paul Feinbaum is Michigan's biggest critic. I don't know if he's ever said something good about Michigan. He hates he said, that man, Notre Dame. He said, this is a witch hunt. He's like, this is, this is like, honestly, this could be malicious prosecution. I said it as a joke before, but like, this is coming up. Like we're talking about a, like a, in the age of NIL and people getting paid millions of dollars, we're still going to go back to this whole cheeseburger thing where like he got a meal and now we couldn't get that investigation. It was like Michigan's feeling like they're going to have a good year. So we have a dog shit schedule at the beginning. Let's, let's get ahead of this. Let's suspend Harbaugh for three, for three games. And now all of a sudden you see not five weeks later, back in the news for something that is just kind of, oh, we're going to throw out this verbiage and just see what happens. Now, granted, I do want to see what happens with these tapes. I do want to see some cold, hard facts. I'd love to see an NCAA report of factual findings, not Todd from Twitter looking on his Venmo or seeing that he bought two tickets for Ohio State and Penn State. And I do, if it's one of those things where we're going to talk about, hey, this is an infraction because – you know, the lower programs can't do this. That's a fine to me. That is a fine. And maybe a suspension for Jim Harbaugh at the start of the season next year. I don't see how that warrants, you know, with talking about walking back wins from maybe the last two seasons. That I don't really see. But again, I want cold, hard facts. I want to see an investigation report. I want to see if Michigan is cooperating with this. Jim Harbaugh has been nothing but him normal his normal self. And granted, he didn't talk about the cheeseburger situation too much. They seem to be going on their path like they don't have really anything to worry about. And by people saying like, oh, well, they suspended, you know, the Connor Stallions. Well, that's what you do when there is an investigation. That's called being smart. That's called getting out in front of it. You're not going to like keep him on the sideline when he's being investigated for something or a claim has been made like that is just the right thing to do. I don't know how high this goes. I want to know if this is something where Harbaugh turned a blind eye to 
meaning like I don't want to know. So just talk to the coordinators and I'll, I'll just go along with it. At the end of the day, that's never going to keep your job because as a head coach, it's your job to know what everyone is doing underneath your nose. So I think it'll be interesting. I have, I have, um, I just got an update, a live report actually on this as we're, so we can get a little live reaction here. Uh, breaking uh, news, breaking news. Yeah. ESPN just, I got an update that Connor Stallings allegedly bought tickets to non big 10 games. So like the sec championship in 2021 and 2022. So like contenders going to the playoff. So like, uh, and they're reported that he bought for like 11 different teams that were supposedly in contention. This what guy do you just think about that? Like a football guy. It sounds like he's <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you think he just wanted to watch some games? Like maybe this guy goes to every game he can. Like yeah. this guy just loves top ten matchups. Maybe what... he's just maybe he's just like a one of those like he's like a tick pick uh, um, brand rep. Like I, or, you know he's he's doing he's one, just you know flipping like... tickets. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that would be the funniest is... thing ever, dude. If he was just re- he's a ticket reseller, he didn't yeah. go to any yeah, of like, like, oh, like yeah, the you're only bots. paying me fifty five thousand a year, so I had to make money. Yeah, selling. he's just broker. He's just brokering the tickets. It's like, <laughs> is the mastermind behind this really some guy who was paid fifty five thousand dollars? Like, show me, show hey, me, like hey, a man. thing. Hey, hey, so- Beach, what's wrong with fifty five thousand a year, Nothing, man? I'd come honestly, on, come on. But is that a thing where, like, now if you can produce to me? Oh, Michigan athletics, especially out of the football, wrote him a bonus check for beating Ohio State <laughs> off this. I'm like, okay, now we're starting to see there was clear knowledge about what was going on, and he was rewarded for it. There's no way someone getting $55,000 a year is the mastermind behind this. And again, I don't know how high this goes. We don't really yeah. know many, many of the facts other than apparently. But, you know, the fall guy – the fall guy is a, you know, a very, very common tactic for people doing, you know, wide ranging wrongdoing. You know, you always have to have the little intern, uh, the Greg, the egg, dude, he, he's yeah. got to be the one to shred the documents. He's, you know, it, <laughs> it's funny. Like after, after all that, this is all said and done. It's like, Oh, good, good on Michigan. They fired Connor Stallions. It's like, yeah, this guy's <laughs> just out of the job now. And they get yeah, get the, get the entry level guy some out of there here for our military. And maybe this guy's tactical ability to just, actually... is he a, is he a vet? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a former Marine. Well, that's why they're witch hunting them because this country hates its veterans, dude. So now we have country that hates veterans. I mean, there's so many motives here, honestly. But this is a military man who now is could be suspended. Thank God he's suspended with pay because, you know, Lord knows what this country's doing for their veterans right now. Yeah. How great would it be if that if Michigan say say everything, everything that's being alleged right now is true and even worse if their like last ditch attempt is just start spinning it as you know they hate veterans like you got to yeah. leave this kid alone he fought for this country like they One, just make it this huge pr battle of, of like michigan loves the veterans the rest of you guys hate them like give this kid a break is this recording too on an iphone or a camcorder because i record at the football games i record like i i take videos of of you know something happened who doesn't want to try and capture that one magic play that maybe <laughs> I personally do. I mean, also, I don't really think there's a nod on 
having sideline seats. Those are the best seats in the stadium. Why wouldn't someone get those? Maybe he's making a lot of money off the game time app. Sounds like he's got a lot of buddies, and they just love good ball. And they're using their friend's connection to be able to get these tickets and be able to watch good ball. Nothing wrong I with that. I see some flight trackers, too. Because when is he watching these games? That's one thing I never knew. If we're showing me, if you're showing me a still of him on the sideline, how is he also, if he's in Happy Valley recording, how is he also in Columbus? Is it a, is it a multiple it's a front operation? Yes. That's what I'm reading is that the seats that were purchased with these tickets are, um, there's like videos of people filming the sideline from the seat that was purchased. So it's, I think it's like a couple of guys. This sounds like around. a squad of guys is, trying to get their boy. Away. Is <laughs> this like, is this like if, if, you know, if Dick winners just buy an easy company, some great seats to the game, like, Maybe that's it. Maybe it's it just, just his you know, his friends just happen to root for all good college football teams. <laughs> yeah, but all, all his bad friends. Maybe they're like some of those people where like you know people want to check off all the ballparks. Maybe he's trying to check off all these. You know, you don't know. And until I see something that's pretty damn, I need to see two things. I need to see damning evidence where it shows what we're being told looks very probable. And then two, I think we need to know if. I just, I really do have a hard time wrapping my head around a former military man working for the University of Michigan, being paid $55,000 a year, and just being told by by Jim, let's say Jim, and the, and the other high ups in, in Michigan football, you're going to assemble a team, and they're going to go out <laughs> to all these good football games and we're going to get you seats in, you know, fifth row on the sideline, and you're just going to tape the whole damn thing. If they no. were smart, you know what they would have done? Say, say, you know, they're guilty of all of it. If they were smart, he would have mixed in a couple, you know, Mac games, yeah. little Kent State at Bowling Green, just get some, some red herrings there, get some games, get some nothing games with some, you know, group of five schools, to kind of you know take the take the heat off their path, but um, it's looking like all marquee matchups at this point. Yeah. Um, well, I it, said, <laughs> it said he bought twelve of thirteen tw- or games for twelve of the thirteen teams in the Big Ten. So who do you think was left out? I was just about to Rutgers. ask that. I mean, it's it's got to be Rutgers, right? Like, yeah, I, I think it is. Rutgers. No, because there was the um, the Shiano video. Oh, so Shiano's oh. got him cooking. I mean, it's got to be Iowa then, right? Like, you know what you're getting with Iowa. You're getting 10, 17 points. I mean, they already had Cade McNamara back there. Who they know? That's a good question, though. Is it going to be the worst it was, team or it was the a most Scott Frost, team? It was the Scott Frost-Nebraska team. That's just how sad <laughs> that era was. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's a I mean, have you seen something like this in college football? Because you brought up the academics. And I, I think though the – your ability to achieve something in the classroom or not achieve in the classroom does not have any bearing on how you played the football game. To your point, I Stick- think I think some people could argue. I think I think that's where like some of the nerds would argue that like you know it frees up more time if you if you got someone doing your schoolwork. You know, like you're just an athlete, not a student athlete. But you know, we've had we've had some of the most noteworthy schools in in the ncaa talk about we're not here to play school um and you know no one you know no one really no one really cares enough 
to crack down because they'd rather watch great college football. That's just, you know, I don't care if these Ohio, if the kids on Ohio State are going to be doctors. I really don't. I want to watch them lay some wood on Saturday yeah. afternoon. Well, I'm interested to see how Michigan is going to perform kind of during this. Because, like, when did this story initially break? Was it was it Sunday or was it before the Michigan-Michigan State? This was not the bullets and board material they wanted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it they- was Beach, apparently. Well, he had tickets for Ohio State-Penn State that didn't <laughs> – get used so it must have been like thursday of last week or something or like, fuck 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 sell the tickets <laughs> yeah. so Yo, we cannot go with state that had, i don't really think that had any bearing on that football game but i am interested to see how the michigan football team does perform um in adversity and kind of through this because I, I don't know i mean like do players know really about this then? Like you gotta, because you're being told then. Yeah. To yeah. Look out for this. So I'm like, coach, where- how'd you know this was a sweep coach? coach. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is this like on, I mean, is this helping JJ McCarthy with his reads? Or- Why is there a kid in fatigues telling me that they just audible to a mid screen? Yeah. Like how does he know? But like, I'm. <laughs> that's one thing I'm wondering too, is a lot of it seems where if you tie it all up in a bow and you make it what you're reading it and you really think about it, it doesn't seem very plausible to me. I got to feel like someone's got to have a little, an ounce of integrity in there to be like, this doesn't seem right. And at least ask the question, is this illegal? Cause if you have a player asking that, I mean, and you're dealing with like maybe even player sanctions from like either side of the ball for people being involved with play calling they're going to fold on someone. I mean, they're not going to mess up their eligibility to keep someone fired. So that is where I'm wondering too, like where does this go? Because like Harbaugh, if he's getting the information and Jesse Minner on defense getting the information from the stallion guy, they have to then inform someone else. So everyone under that program umbrella had to be aware of this situation happening. I'm also wondering how they were able to get away with it for two years. If you're able to pull up these still shots that he's got a laminated thing with all (laughs) these hand signals on it, how haven't we picked up on that before? Like, you know, it becomes very interesting. It's like role models. Yeah. I saw David got me, David Garvin stealing TVs. No, that's not me. (laughs) That's not me. I saw one tweet where it was like, oh, you don't know this, but um, Michigan's actually just um, keeping in line with the American Disabilities Act sanctions, and those are for people who are deaf, the the sign signals. I like that. It's a good you know, that, that could be a kind of up, but like again, if you if you tie this all up, it's a, it's a story. It's fun. You know, they're 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 at the top of the college football world, maybe poised to actually win a playoff game this year and hopefully a national title there in Ann Arbor. Um, obviously you don't want this all coming crashing down. And I do think it's something you need to be delicate with because if you are wrong about this and it really is a, I don't think it's nothing. I think it's a minor thing that could be blown up. That is where my stance is on this overall. If you bring in all the information and what we have now, I think this is a minor infraction that is being blown up. If it's like that and we're talking all this talk about walking back wins and, you know, maybe getting Harbaugh out of college football. I mean, this could be pretty detrimental for the NCAA. And that's where with the thing that happened at the beginning of the season with Harbaugh, 
this looks like targeting. This looks like malicious prosecution. I'm just finding something to go after Jim Harbaugh with. So I'm interested to see how this all shakes out. As I led with, I want to see more evidence. I want to see an NCAA investigation report. I don't want any information coming into them from Columbus, from Happy Valley, from East Lansing, from Athens, Georgia. I don't want this them to get their mind shaped by the Twitter personalities. And obviously that, you know, you, you don't think that they will, but the NCAA is not, not a, if I have something to do with it. Yeah. Or, you know, this podcast, but the NCAA has not been the most model citizen in, in years past. I don't really, it's almost like we attribute them to like our government and it's like, Oh, we should just trust them and love them because they're they're They, run this thing that we hold so dear to our hearts and love. Well, you can't always be that naive. And I think it's, you know, I think for as much as we could say, you know, Jim Harbaugh knew about this. I think we could say maybe the NCAA has got something up their ass that they're looking for. They have another motive. I just, I need to see something factual. I need to see an investigation report. And then we'll uh, hopefully be able to talk about this in a couple weeks, maybe after we smoke Penn State and Happy Valley and prepare for uh, Ohio State in Ann Arbor. Yeah, maybe it's a Gruden situation with um, Goodell. Just find some find some old uh, email where he shits on him as an excuse to get him out of football because yeah. uh, they weren't exactly buddies. <laughs> but yeah, we're certain to have some new developments coming up. I'll be live from south bend this weekend last weekend of sober october um then me and marty will be live from clemson south carolina the week after um just got actually flexed away from a night game which is probably a good thing hope it falls in that 330 slate that november but... 4th yeah yeah i will be on ground in ann arbor that week so maybe i can okay. use digging i'll uh, get some more information uh get you know with my get some my... signs yeah. do some digging on the be... uh play call ton of signs just letting everyone know what's coming uh you don't know this, i'm one of those people who we bought tickets for so i uh, I, I was gonna say should we try and get connor stallions on the pod <laughs> I, yeah i mean everyone's already stealing our ideas so i think that we threw that out there someone else is gonna get him on the pod now because they just copy what we say um Let's but pile you know, together 55 grand and uh and give them a quote them to get on but yeah We'll have some boots boots on the ground coming up here, some big uh big games, big weeks, and yeah, we'll see what happens with the Wolverines. Your samples. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking.